Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for taking a seat at the table. Tonight we're going to be talking about family relationships after children. A little bit of a look into our extended family and how our relationships have changed after we had kids. Tonight I have Jen. Hello. Jamie. Hi. Kim. Hello. Rachel. Hey. And I'm Tabitha. We're going to start with Jen and hear about her family, extended family. Extended family. Hello. When my daughter was diagnosed, I think every relationship in my family shifted and autism was new to my family. So we were all kind of learning as we went. It definitely affected my relationship with my mother and not in a great way. It's much better now, but it actually made my brother and I a lot closer and my sister-in-law and they are her people. She loves my brother. She loves my sister-in-law. And then my extended family, they're great, but it was another power struggle for me and my mom. And I don't know how to articulate it. Everything came with judgment. Everything came with an opinion. I mean, she knew nothing about autism, but she knew everything about autism. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, but I'll give her the credit of the medications because if it wasn't for my mother hounding me every single day about my daughter, I don't know if I would have had the courage to stop her meds. And then my mother drives my daughter to therapy uh, to Vancouver every single week because I work. So you know, we've come full circle in that sense of we still butt heads, but, you know, she's always said she'll never miss out on therapy. You know, she always jumps in when I need her to take her to stuff. Um, so it's, you know, I, she's really I love up seeing that them way. together. There's like, yeah, a they do. Kaya has around. She loves her Nana. No one She else. really does. Yeah. She loves my mom a lot. So it's neat to see, you know. Yeah. How about you, Rachel? What about your family? Sure. You know, I think last, uh, during the last episode, we talked a lot about our significant others. And while I was able to share some of our story, I don't think I necessarily articulated where Billy and I are at now. And I don't necessarily know it's easy to look at our family without kind of stating that now I feel like Billy and I are relearning how to date and be partners, like just like the dating aspect has shifted so much for us because we're also caregivers together. We're also coworkers in that respect together because our response to a lot of stress and like kind of our situation was multifaceted. It's constantly been evolving. And I don't know that we've had like a a ton of time to recover from each thing before like another thing got hard. We are doing better than we have as caregivers, as coworkers, as people totally invested in the same goals for Sealy, even though like we talked about as a group last week, our timing is different. Like our response to things is different and our sort of flow in and out of these changing diagnoses or like evolving hard. So with that, I feel like in order to build up who we've become as this team, our response in regards to all other relationships has really been to pull back. We couldn't be, I couldn't be an employee. Billy had to be an employee because I couldn't be like, He had a full response to that. 
I was momming so hard. Like we were totally withdrawn from our parents and our siblings. And we've just really spent a long time trying to figure this out. And it just so happens that it's like consistently more challenging. So now we're standing here in a shade of hard and people are sort of finding out from the outside, from our family, like from the inside to our life, but not necessarily to the community that we've built, that our heart is really hard and that this is what it looks like for us. And it's hard to respond to that as a person who hasn't like seen the regression happening or seen Billy and I lifting each other up through this. They kind of, I think there's a lot of room for assumption when we have not necessarily hidden anything because I feel like we've been open, but we've been in hiding. Like isolation has been a response to our withdrawal. Well, people just don't see your day to day. And yeah. so they just assume that you're living like everyone else and you're, you're not like they hear about the hard days. And I'm like, no, in between those calls are the hard days too. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's all the time. They, just see, <laughs> they see just glimpses, you know? Well, and it's hard too. I mean, we add to that, you know, Celie is going to call her grandma or her, my dad when she's doing quite well or trying to get her out of a funk that she could be getting into. Like it'll make her smile and to engage. I mean, you aunties receive those calls, but then you see the makeup on the Facebook, you see that the mom is feeling these emotional things and writing all this and like, where does the reality fall? It's just hard. I mean, I know we're perpetuating the space between us, but our focus really is on Celia and it's hard to like explain the depths of right now. They're all gearing up to go to the 4th of July, you know, and I would love to be at the 4th of July cabin. I don't know if we're safe in the car all that way. I don't know if we can be by a lake and be by other people that she could body slam off into the water. Like uh, it's a lot of variables. Yeah. And I own that. Like we, I'm trying to be in a place where I talk about my family, talk about it with my family. Yeah. What do you think, Jamie? For me, I am the fifth of six children. So I have a lot of brothers and sisters. I have two brothers and three sisters and trying not to get in trouble here. Although I don't even think that bad to say. And I guess we'll find out who listens to the podcast. <laughs> the other five. <laughs> but I think in our family, there's always been this thing that the kids are like entertainers. Like this is something I've been uh, writing to. I haven't finished the piece, but kind of about how people project so much onto children and a lot of their own self-validation. They want to be the most liked from the child. They want to buy the child thing, win them over. And, you know, when you have a kid who has autism, they aren't the most social and they don't build relationships like typical kids. And like Jesse doesn't get instant gratification from entertaining people. And he didn't as a baby, like he would sometimes play peekaboo with people. He would sometimes, you know, if you get really close and you're tickling him and you really get in there, you will entertain him. But I feel like there's just this expectation that, you know, Mike, my, my daughter right now, she'll come into a room and she'll sing for you and she'll dance for you. And everyone will sit around and smile and laugh and clap. And it is the cutest thing in the world. And I love all these things about kids too, or, you know, you give a kid a gift, like, and they love it. I feel like in my family, that was hard for me in the beginning. And I don't even know if that bothered them. Not actually my family. Someone one time made a comment. They're like, oh, Jesse just doesn't even like me. So what's the point of like, trying to engage with him or, and I'm like, well, that is kind of the point that you, you have to take the time and you have to invest in him if you want that back from him. But I will say each of my siblings 
have built their own relationship with him and they are very understanding and kind. And I think what has helped a lot is seeing me go through it and like how heartbroken I was at first and how hard it was for me to accept his diagnosis. And I think, uh, I don't know if someone thought I was being dramatic or if they were just like, what's, you know, because there's parts of him that seem typical. And I, at the time I had um, two siblings that lived here in Colorado with me. Now I just have one and the other ones didn't really see it that much. And so, you know, if they would make a comment that he was on the spectrum, I would be upset. If they made a comment that made it seem like they didn't think he was on the spectrum, I would be upset. So it's hard to like gauge that. Cause I don't know how much of it's me projecting things onto them or seeing what I'm afraid people are judging us or him as, but I think now they all know, like they come around and if he comes around them and he wants to play with them, or if they're very, if like my brother-in-law is like, they'll pick him up and throw him and he loves that stuff. So he loves playing with them, but you know, otherwise it's kind of like, Oh, Jesse's here and he'll say hi to you. And then he's off doing his own thing and you just kind of have to let him. And that's him. It's been a weird thing to kind of navigate probably because of only myself, but otherwise both mine and my husband's family, I think have come around great. And my parents are really great and helpful. And my parents have been around the whole time. So they've kind of seen that there is something. And I think, you know, my husband's family, you know, there was from everyone, including us, there was just a lot of like, Oh, he's just a boy. He'll come around. He'll talk a lot of those things. And I think finally people are going to acceptance. And if they're not accepting that, that's it. They are very kind and at least, you know, play along, I guess. <laughs> you said something about the gifts and that the gifts are hard because people expect this great reaction from a child. And it, it could even be something that she loves. And I always have to, I, I preload people now. I'm like, she's going to love it, but you're not going to get the reaction out of it. So don't get offended. I find it very awkward when people give her things that, that don't understand. I do the same thing. I'm always like from his first birthday, it's always been that crowd of people standing around watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, I'm like, he'll love it later. He will play with it. And sometimes that's a lie. Sometimes it's true, but sometimes yeah. the kid doesn't, I mean, he's getting better now at six. I will say that he will open some gifts. He's more excited about it. He might not show it, but he'll actually open them. He want to open the gifts. I'd have to sit there and make him open the gifts all for the satisfaction of other people. And I kind of oh. hate that. And it got to the point where like a couple years, I was like, you know what? We'll just open these later. Cause if he was done, mm-hmm. I'm like, he's done. We'll just open them later. And sorry if your whole day was on my kid opening your present and being excited about it. What about you, Kim? Well, we really lucked out in the family department concerning her. I don't know what I would have done in the beginning without my family, because at the time there was no information. There was no support. It was really difficult back 22 years ago. And I think because of the fact that we lived with my parents when Alyssa was born, they saw her developing normally and then they saw the stop and they saw her losing skills and they were kind of right there front and center. So it wasn't really that thing where I had to like explain it and they were kind of learning it as we were learning it. And then she always had a super special bond with my dad. She was always his baby since day one. I think it's just something when you're living in the same house when a baby is born, you develop a special type of bond because you're there for late nights, you're there for early morning. My dad would hold her 
when I came down in the morning while I made her bottle, like just, you know, different stuff like that. And that didn't change if anything and intensified when, you know, we realized, you know, he kind of had the philosophy that like, oh, she just doesn't have anything to say to you people. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad was like this big, gruff, loud guy. When you saw him soften with her, even when she was hell on wheels, because there was a time where she was just really, really difficult and like they never faulted and my husband's mother was amazing she sometimes would come and you know stay a couple of days and help me out and she was there for the really nitty-gritty stuff during the day she was there when ABA came she was there when early intervention came she was there when every single thing was a battle yeah. she was there when nobody could touch her so I never had to do that thing where like people thought I was being you know dramatic or they were there for her. they saw it we did things at our house that was easier for us we had Christmas here we had Thanksgiving here because it's just easier to do that so we didn't have to try to bring her to somebody else's house and everybody kind of was okay with that our siblings were amazing my sister and his sister especially very protective of Alyssa like I said in the beginning autism wasn't a thing that a lot of people were aware of so we had a few incidences out in the community and between my sister and his sister I thought they were going to kill this guy who like yelled at Alyssa and made some rude comments and no hesitation they were like gonna get arrested i'm like let's just get her out of the situation of course there were things along the way i did have family members other family members that would be like she's just spoiled like you couldn't tell Alyssa no like we literally couldn't say that word in my house could not say it because she would have such a meltdown like we would try to like say it in different ways uh-uh. So, yeah exactly because <laughs> then that word pisses them right off <laughs> yeah um, maybe later And people thought like that was ridiculous. You know, they thought like she was spoiled. We, you know, she just needed, you know, left with them for the weekend and not going to (laughs) happen. You'll call me on Friday afternoon. (laughs) Like I remember I was at a birthday party at a family's number house and it was out of state. She grabbed the keys that were on the coffee table and stuck them in her mouth. Anything metal. She's, it was gross. She would lick fences, like put keys in her mouth. She just, it was just part of her sensory issues and like they yelled at her and like took the keys away and like I left like I didn't even care I was like I'm done like she she's flipping out screaming like you know and in the gifts too like I mean there's been some years that sometimes it's like you know she's not her age level you know what I mean so some of the gifts mm-hmm. that she would get would be I don't know the thought wasn't behind it and even as she got older I would have to remind people you know we do gra- grab gifts for the kids and a Yankee swap for the adults so she can't do a Yankee swap for adults because you ain't taking her gift when she gets it sorry <laughs> and she's not gonna like understand a gift card like I would just remind people like it could be a, a dollar crayons and coloring book like just so she would have something to open but everybody you know was really good about it sometimes they needed reminders but everybody always tried to include her and um I'm not gonna say everybody understood 100% because there's definitely you know people that don't the people that mattered to us made the adjustments, made the accommodations, try to learn with us, you know, try to connect with her in their own way. Sometimes they would just let her be. You kind of would have to let her come around to you. And that's hard because people like Jamie, obviously like the levels are so different, but it's the same thing that people try to engage with her, but she likes who she likes. Mm-hmm. And she, you got to give her time to come around. Can't like force it. And you, you like know, feel bad for me. Like my nephew loves Jesse. And my nephew's so cute. He's a lot like Jesse in some ways. And Jesse, like half the time will not give the kid the time of day. And I feel so bad with some adults too, where you're like, you want them to, you know, like this person's yeah. great, like them. And, but for and some they reason, just they ignore just them. Some, two people walk in the room. He picks one. 
that's who he's gonna like I don't know why and I'm sorry and that probably does suck to feel like the one not chosen <laughs> well, and I feel like a lot of people too would feel bad because they wouldn't want to ignore her they wouldn't want to not acknowledge her which is great because I hear a lot of stories that that's not the case for people but like sometimes it's like no it's okay <laughs> you can just let her be when she's ready, she'll come around. I don't know what I would have done without my family. I think you end up having to build a community. If that's not filled with services, it's people and support somehow, some way. Yeah. And Neil's mother also was like, a very, like she was very into her grandchildren. And mm-hmm. that was her baby. You weren't going to cross her. Do you know what I'm saying? You weren't going to come without a gift for Alyssa. You weren't going to do something and not include her. Like it wasn't going to happen. So if we weren't going to vocalize it, she was going to vocalize and nobody wanted to piss her off. So, <laughs> you know, that gives me hope because you, there's so many aspects of your time under the belt where I'm like, she's done it. Her daughter's so old. Everybody's a hundred, but yet you talk about these hard times or like having Christmas at your house. I, I don't know about this necessarily for you guys, but I feel like Jamie Tabs and I specifically are within the first couple years of diagnosis where we're like navigating it ourselves with our husband, with our husband, with our immediate family, like with teachers for the first time, with doctors still building our care teams. Like, I just don't know who to tell what stories to. It's like autism becomes your life for a good while. And I'm not sure if you rebalance the focus, but it's like listening to you refer to the first couple challenging things with people or people not understanding fully. It's like, oh, that's past tense. It's so much hope. That gives me hope. Tabs, don't you feel like that? Like your first year, like for sure. I think also sometimes there's, for me, there's a part of me that like doesn't, wouldn't necessarily tell everybody all the hard. I wasn't necessarily trying to convince them. We knew it was hard. I don't want to put, shed a bad light on her either at the same time. I didn't necessarily have time to really worry about who thought it was really hot I just didn't have the energy to like really put into that yeah and they weren't saying it to my face so <laughs> that's my thing I'm like I don't know what people are really thinking or what they're saying to my face yeah and what I a family member had said like somebody that I'm really close to had said that the reason Alyssa was the way she was because she spent so much time in front of the tv when she was younger which like that comment really hurt me a lot I mean we know part of autism a lot of kids are obsessed with TV. Like that was probably like her first sign. I mean, it's not a technical sign, but like it should be on the list. <laughs> Let's yeah. add it to the list. And she did. She loved Barney. Anytime it was on, she would just, she would just sit and she would laugh and her whole face would light up. She'd be so excited. And I mean, we all know this isn't how autism starts, but like, you know, that comment really cut. And the person was young. You know, the person was, I mean, I was only 22 myself. So like, 21 probably at that time um but you know people just don't know they you know family I'm kind of lucky in the family department that I come from a big family of unique human beings (laughs) so a lot of my family are artists and musically driven and just unique in their personalities and the way they present themselves to the world and So we kind of grew up in a space where it was like a creative mindset. And also like there were so many kids that it was like you didn't have an opportunity to really give what other people were saying about you because it was always loud and chaos. And I mean, there were six of us growing up. So when you take six kids out into the public, yeah, I mean, it's a free for all. 
you know? <laughs> so when we were first going through the diagnosis um, situation, like my family was really amazing with don't let them tell you who your kids are. Like not so much about diagnosis, but don't let them feed into a mindset that they aren't exactly who they're supposed to be. You know, you don't need to change them as people. This world is set up for uniqueness. You know, they're going to make whatever mark on the world that they are going to make. And they kind of embrace the patience with them and like trying to understand them on their level, which was like really helpful to me. Mm-hmm. We have a, that. yeah, it's just like a really beautiful mindset to like, they wanted to understand as much as they could once we got a formal diagnosis and they kind of are still trying to learn, you know, about my kids. We have a little bit of a hard time because we don't live near any of our family. I mean, no one lives in Phoenix. We don't have family support here. Our family is supportive, but it's not like my sister can come over and watch my kids for two hours or, Mm -hmm. you know, be in the day-to-day when it's a struggle. So that part of it is super hard for us, I think. And then, you know, like my family is just warm. My sisters, especially like both times she held my kids for the first time, she cried, she wept you know, when she held them for the first time. So it's like, there's always been an openness to them as people, Mm -hmm. which I'm so grateful for, because a lot of people don't have that, you know, trying to like find our way through this autism space, but being far away is hard. You know, I think Mm -hmm. like explaining, not necessarily my family, but explaining to people in your extended family, what autism is, people have an impression of what it is and what your kids like. They either think that they can function in society as like a person from atypical or, you know, one of those shows, or they think it's like more Rain Man. And there's this whole like spectrum on the inside. And I think it's hard to communicate. Like even we travel often to see our family because they all live out of town, you know, even trying to navigate timeframes for things like when you've been traveling with two kids who have autism and then you want to go to a family function and it's starting at 7 p.m. I'm like, that. no way. We cannot. <laughs> There's no way that my kids are going to last 20 minutes with a bunch of strangers that, they, I mean, they're not strangers, but people that they're not familiar with on the day to day. And then, you know, I think there's this idea of like kids can just run around at a barbecue and it's okay if they stay up late and if they have sweets and I'm like, we are on a routine, people. <laughs> we need to go to bed at a certain time or else the next three days are going to be a nightmare for us. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to do anything else on this trip. So explaining those kind of things is, I found, find pretty challenging. Yeah. Um, really, really hard. Because you will say, you know, we can't come at seven, but it you can't explain all of the things that are behind that. It's not that I don't want to I would like to come to a barbecue at seven o'clock and have my kids run around in the yard and play with the other kids and yeah, and do whatever. Like that sounds great, but it's just going to be a disaster. Like they're both going to be all just a disaster. It's not going to be fun for either one of us or (laughs) you guys. How do you feel about naked and screaming at your barbecue? (laughs) How would you feel about that? Yeah, it's just not going to be good. Yeah. I'll bring cookies. I think that's something that like I struggled with in the beginning too because like people would like invite you places like they'd be like let's go to the beach and I'm like yeah I couldn't go to the beach with her and my son who was you know just three years older than her because 
I would only be able to watch her. Right. I would barely be able to watch her. And like, he'd be like, what, just like, you know, sailing off into the ocean on his own. Like I couldn't do it. It just wasn't safe. Or I couldn't do like, if they someone be like, oh, let's go try this beach. And it's like, no, I can't go try a beach with Alyssa. Like I have to go there. I have to like, yes, I have to, is it rocky? Is it, where's the parking lot? Like how big is the beach area? Like how far do we have to walk? Yeah. Like how are we going to get out of there? Yes. And like people just wouldn't understand because it's not that I didn't want to go. And it is sometimes it sucks. Like sometimes you end up feeling isolated because like you said, you want to go, you don't want to be like, you know, oh, I'll just stay home then. But like, I couldn't have her in an unsafe situation, which would, could possibly put my son in an unsafe situation. Yeah. Cause you have to watch. And then people would be like, oh, we'll help you. Just come. We'll help you. And <laughs> oh, like, shut. And up. it's great. Are you bringing like, the SWAT team? And what, yeah. But what would happen is they would help with my son. Yeah. And I would be stuck. I hate to say it, but I would be stuck one-on-one with her. And if it wasn't a good environment for her, it would just be me constantly like trying to stop her from doing this, trying to stop her. You know, that's not fun for me. I'm not spending time with my other child and I'm doing all the hard stuff with her and everybody else is like relaxing, which obviously it's my child. So that's fine, but that's not helping me. Yeah. You'd rather <laughs> like not carrying my beach bag, carrying my beach bag to the sand is not the type of help I'm looking for. people. Well, that reminds me because like my family likes to vacation together a lot. And oh yeah. My family too. People and like, yeah, the, I mean, like a couple vacations ago we had the fight because a, a few of my family members are very like, okay, we'll be here at this time. And we're going, you know, we're going to Disney. So we need to be there at opening and we're going to do this and this and this. And the whole time I'm like, okay, you guys can say that, but that might not happen for us. Or like, okay, we're going to kind of do our own thing or we'll get there when we get there. Or, you know, like, and some people get offended by that or they just like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And sometimes he is fine. It's almost frustrating that it goes great sometimes. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, it did go this great this time, but next time it might not. I just remember we went to animal kingdom one morning and he's just like screaming in the like special stroller we buy him where he can cover his face and hide for the first hour because he's uncomfortable and he needs to settle in and it's like the first hour we go anywhere we know it's like a lost uh, hour like we yeah. he has to warm up to the place he has to get used to it and so trying to get like my you know some members of my family kind of understand that others are just like okay well you guys just do your own thing and then there's some like oh but we should all try to stick together and I'm like, my life doesn't work that way. I'm gonna try, I'll try to be there at 8 a.m. or whatever, but something might go wrong. If my kid, if my kid doesn't wake up, I'm not waking him up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Say that. For that could be, yeah. night, that could be the night yeah. where like they don't, they didn't sleep all yeah. night, you know? Yeah. If he, Sometimes, if like the cereal's wrong in the morning and he's pissed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm really like, lucky. Like, it sucks, but they think, you know, I don't know if they think this, but I think they're like, well, just, if you just make him do it, he'll adapt. Oh and he'll my God. She doesn't actually so, need a green plate. I'm like, yeah. she actually needs a green plate. We've gone to Disneyland with my brother and my mom, like in his family, two or three times. I always get confused and she is a good traveler. But what I will say is uh, they're really good about iPads being on at dinner tables. I'm very lucky. My brother and my sister-in-law are very accommodating to what she needs. It's like, well, what is going to work for Kaya? Well, we know that doesn't work for Kaya. So we have to do this. Like they're really good about, you know, that kind of stuff. Very considerate about, yeah, I'm really lucky. Yeah. I think in general, just like kids in general, like I, we took a family vacation. Nora was like six months old. Nixon was 
about three to a lake house with my sister and her family. And it's so fun always, but I was breastfeeding at the time. And Nixon was like his adventure wilderness spirit. It was like in the woods. He wanted to climb the mountains and be on the boat and do all of those things. And I was just like breastfeeding all the time. And so I was leaving all the activities to go upstairs and breastfeed. And there was one point in the vacation, my sister's going to listen to this. So I love you with all my heart, but there was one, (laughs) there was one, one point in the vacation where everyone was out doing activities and it just happened that other people thought that someone else was with me, or I don't know how it all worked out, but I ended up at the house with Nora by myself for like half the day because everyone was out like doing other things and just parenting in general. I think you feel isolated in that way without people intentionally doing it. You know, it's like you have to leave to breastfeed or you can, you know, whip out a boob in front of your family or whatever, you know, um, or your kid needs to be in privacy for that because they won't feed if there's too much noise or action or whatever. But then on top of that, if you add this layer of like autism specific, routines and times and like you just cannot do certain things that you would normally do when you press your kids on vacation like all kids get crabby all kids get tired they get worn out from traveling they are eating weird stuff they're not sleeping in their own bed but for us it's like times a thousand yeah you know like getting to the car in the morning sometimes is a challenge because something's messed up or there's not pancakes in the house or there's not you know, like the specific food item or pan. Right kind of cheese. Right kind of cheese. Yeah, the right kind of cheese. Like explaining that I think is hard. And especially with my family, there's no intention to make me feel isolated. Like it's naturally going to happen, but you can't help but feel like separated even when you're on a family vacation together. Just is what it is. So I can just immediately know when it's not going to be a good day. Like sometimes yeah. Yeah. she could wake up. It, it literally could be the look in her eyes, the look in her face. Like, and mm-hmm. I just, I immediately know it could be that I had every intention of going somewhere or doing something, but like, I just know it's not going to be good. And so then we don't go and then people don't understand. And I had one family member that would like invite us to like the movies. And it's like, no, she can't sit through a movie. Like she doesn't understand what a movie is. She can't. And I know no three-year-olds created a movie, but like, different and then she stopped asking but it's you know it might have been nice if she just came and took my son it wasn't that I got mad at her for it it's just she stopped inviting and then you know it just kind of you can't explain the anxiety preparation like when you're thinking about going somewhere there are a thousand things you have to think about like you were saying it for us specifically it's water Is there going to be a pond? Is there going to be a fountain? Is there going to be a lake? Is there a puddle? (laughs) Is there going to be rocks? Like a puddle. We're in trouble if there's a puddle. You know, like any shape, form of water. If I go to a place where we've never been before, our entire trip there can be derailed if there's a a fountain at the entrance of that place, which in Arizona is highly likely. Yeah, like there's fountains and and Nixon's gotten better than he was when he was like three three and a half but the focus like trying to move them from something that they want to do like play in the water of the puddle is going to cause the next two hours to be like he doesn't want to be in the museum when there's an awesome fountain at the entrance are you kidding me 
I don't blame him, but it's not going to be like like if you pry him from the fountain, he's not going to want to be in the museum in wet pants. So like there is a lot that can go awry in the goddamn puddle. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And now I have two children who are fascinated with water. So it's like double the (laughs) experience. That's just when Amelie was a baby, we went, as she was like three weeks old, we went up to the mountains to this place called Estes Park here. And my mother-in-law hosted all of us at this like these condos and it was so nice and beautiful and great but there's this giant rapid river right behind the oh condo. no and the whole time and so I'm I'm breastfeeding yeah. like your story reminded me of stuff but that like so I'm up in our condo like breastfeeding a lot and I would come down but they would be you know on in another family member condo which was on the ground level where you could go out the back door and the lakes I mean the river's right there and I was just to everyone I was like please watch just and I told my husband I was like if you take your eyes off of him for one second like that you know like I'm not kidding and so I you know those those are the moments people are like she's crazy helicopter mom crazy oh god I'm like I'm not I'm like and and that's when people start to notice like they're like oh he's getting really close and I'm like he has no fear my family the same thing the first time we took him in the ocean I was like watch him be careful my dad had him at one point and I was like and Jesse just starts walking in and just keeps walking and walking and my dad's like Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, my dad's right You're there. You're not Moana. I'm like, Get he out. has no fear. He would yeah. walk into the ocean. Yes. And off. He would my not kids notice. too. Yes. Yeah. Terrifying. It is terrifying. I know when we were on that same family vacation there, it was like a circle and there was one door in the back and one in the front and people are coming in going all day. And the whole, oh. I think the whole vacation, I was like, is the door closed? <laughs> Shut the door. And sometimes don't I don't even... I don't even know sometimes if it's like I and I say the same thing too, Jamie. I'm like, she literally has no fear. But it's not even the fear. It's not even the understanding of yeah. getting hurt. Right. I always say, and and I know that Kaya's dad thinks I'm being dramatic until we were in Seattle and he tried to teach her to go through a crosswalk and he almost lost his friggin' mind. He's like, she's she doesn't get it. Like she's not understanding. Jen, she's not understanding. And I said, Yeah, told you. But I said, she would walk into uh, an oncoming train and have no idea that a train or a car or a vehicle could kill her. She would have no sense of danger in that sense. So I always say that she has no sense of fear, but I don't think it's fear. I think she legitimately doesn't understand that it would harm her, physically kill her. If she walked in front of that truck coming down the street, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a pull, like a energetic, like, you know how there's a wind after a car goes by yeah Celie is like attracted to all of the commotion when she's attracted to it at other times she's not at all sensory seeker she's sensory sensitive and she'd be like literally blown over by the same experience like bringing it back to family with Celie it's hard to explain both the like sensory seeker and the sensory sensitive aspects of her and not just be like this mom who's pretty detached that's like talking highs and lows of my kid yeah yeah like because you have to understand if you're going to be in the room with her these are the awesome things that you might see these are the reasons I might run and these are the reasons like you're going to fall in love and maybe get hurt I don't know (laughs) well my mom's chased her two blocks up I mean she knows now she yeah. knows now. What I was thinking too, Rach, when you were talking about that, like the whole sensory seeking thing and just in general, I think it changes our relationship with family too, because we analyze our kids way more than anyone else on the planet because we have oh, to. 
to get services. And so it's hard. I don't, I'm not, I don't judge my family members parenting. I I did before I had kids. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and then I learned like, once you have kids, you can't judge because you're just tired and it's hard and your kids, you know, there's plenty of days I'm a bad parent, but you see their kids doing something like, and they're like, stop doing that. That's disgusting. Like they're playing with their spit or they're, (laughs) you know, rubbing a gross like wall or something, you know? And I'm like, oh, the kids need sensory or, you know, like coping mechanisms we all have and all kids have, but we notice them more now because we have to analyze that in our kids. And it's like, but you don't say anything because you don't want to be like, well, he's probably doing that. He needs some input there. Uh, If you could just get him a fidget. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I think happens too, is like, it's almost like the opposite where like we would have family members that would be like, well, we'll take her. Like we'll take her out, you know? And you're like, no, you won't. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, you won't because they just have no idea of the huge responsibility it would be to have her somewhere. Like, like you said, Jamie, like you literally can't, if there's water or a street, you literally couldn't take your eyes off of her. And you literally never know when she would, could do anything. Like there's just so few people that we could ever, and it wasn't really until she was a little bit older, I could never have somebody take her when she was younger like well does it part of you want to be like okay go ahead and take her if it wasn't risking your child's life you know <laughs> yeah. you're like oh yeah go for it they mean anything bad by it like they're trying no. to do well, but yeah. like you're just like yeah and it's always those people that you would like probably never call me after yeah. you call the 911 even let like them take your typical children <laughs> yeah but and I'm lucky in that so sense with my family because they're always asking questions Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, what should I let them eat? Or, you know, like, what do we have to watch for? You know, our daughter had pica for a while. And so, you know, you had to watch her around any piece of cardboard that was even remotely close to her mouth for, you know, so that they were, they're always asking questions to try and keep them safe and understand. But it is like, you have a heightened, like prickly sense. Like today there was a bunny close to the house as we were trying to get in the car so Nixon starts chasing the bunny it's right by the street I'm like oh this is turning this in 30 seconds this is going to be in the street there's no question in my mind that this is where this is going but you are primed for that like yeah you know like you are we know that that's what you know but somebody else doesn't think that they will run into that street my sister-in-law is one of the only now let me be clear my I can't say my mom can um my mom's very physically fit. She's can chase my kid up two blocks, but she's like, she goes to bed early. My kid does not go to bed early. So like, <laughs> as much as my mom tries and she's been great, she has added, you know, safety locks to all her doors and, and you know, that kind of stuff. But my sister-in-law is one of the only people I trust to watch my daughter overnight because she understands she will get out of the house. She understands. The night you don't hear two sounds yeah. in a row and like, yeah check it in the morning yeah yeah so yeah something about my sister-in-law I think for a long time people I even maybe thought like am I just hovering am I just a little extra and it's like this kid's a little extra and like chicken or the egg here and so when Celie was a little nugget my my cousin got married and her parents yard where she got married had this big like retaining wall that ends up being like five feet like it's pretty it's not a cliff, but it's like a big drop. And my sister-in-law was like, 
oh, I'll watch Seely real quick. Yeah, why don't you just grab us some drinks or whatever? And so I turn, I think I handle it. Suddenly, Seely is bolting towards that. I like run to intercept. Like you can like say, oh, I can watch a three-year-old girl, little kitty, little cute, little curly kid until she's on the way. And like, she's like a hummingbird. And like a pinball, like just a mix of erratic, sporadic, irrational curiosity. So, like what shoes are you wearing first before you offer to watch? Yeah, <laughs> yes, put on the sneaks. Yeah. Put on the sneaks. Nike time. Yeah. yeah. And the intensity that you have to have when you're yes. watching our children is just so next level that people just don't like when we used to go to we have a pond near us and it's it's a small pond the cnd area is pretty small but like i could never sit up on the sand in a chair like i would have to be sitting on the dock or if i had a chair it'd have to be in the water like i couldn't be away from the water it's like the same thing like they think you're being dramatic a little bit yeah i remember one time Alyssa's and she used to like to bob so she used to go under the water and pop up that was like her thing she just did it constantly and i'm looking and i go now there's lifeguards here too. So like everyone's like, oh, there's lifeguards. You know, I'm not yeah. relying on 16 year old and 18 year old <laughs> lifeguards to like watch Rescue my child. Playing their yeah, there's, there's, there's 15, 20 kids in, in the pond playing, you know, playing yeah. in the water. And I'm watching her and I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, well, I don't like the way that looks. It almost looks like she's over her head. And then I'm looking and I'm like, oh my God, she's, she was over her head. But because she has no fear, you couldn't tell, there was no panic. She would just go under and then she would push up with her feet and her head would pop above the water. And I'm like, I start running down the thing. And then the lifeguard sees me running and like, we're both running towards her. And like, it's like, <laughs> see, like you literally can't leave, let your guard down. Yeah. Like literally, you know, and then it's Here's like- this when- one time I, I was able to let my guard down. This is not a family, but this is really quick. I'll be very brief. The other day, Thursday, I was, uh, Friday, it was at my house. Um, I had a little friend over and then this therapist came to yeah, my house. And she wanted to chit chat and I needed to chit chat because the prior few days had not been great. And I was fixing to get up with this therapist and leave. And my daughter says this to my friend, I'll just scooch over so you can come sit by me. Yes, it was so cute. My heart melted. It was Tabitha. Tabitha was over. And because my friend happens to be an extraordinary special needs mom, I get to talk to the therapist for 30 minutes while I neglected my friend because you were bonding with my kid. I've never felt so comforted to do a thing in my life as to leave an autism mom, auntie. Yes, it was so cute too. She was showing me her game. We had a great time. Can I scooch over so you can sit by me? I'm like, in her mermaid tail. In her mermaid tail. Oh my God, it was amazing. Oh, that was like not a quick change either. Hey, she was like, Tabitha, close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you should have saved this for the next episode. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it was like, man, can we be family? Because I just yes. got to walk away like it was all typical and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Think of our next episode. She was so great. Yeah. And I would have felt that vibration out the garage door if it was coming. Because. <laughs> I'm primed for that. <laughs> she exactly, went into yeah. this thing where she like laid, she flopped down on her back like a half beached whale and she started kicking and whipping a little skosh. And I think she was just testing because yeah. Lacey is there and you, was Lacey there yet? I don't know, but Tess yeah, she was, there. she was. Yeah. 
And all that I know is Celia and I are on the floor in a kind of like a pre-rumble. And then Tabs is sitting on the chair like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. like she's with a clipboard of a marine biologist, like watching a mermaid <laughs> flop. <laughs> like, no thing. So Ain't no thing. <laughs> sorry. It was good. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, it is like, I think people's intentions are great. I think they want to help you, mm-hmm. but that they don't understand the level of like, I'll watch your kids or I'll help you with your kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not and really. And they're around for a few of those incidents, then they start to see the yeah. level of supervision that they need and the level of mm-hmm. you know yeah and really like my things and go south i could for sure could leave my kids with my sister no problem like i know that she would be on it she would be cautious she would be like listening to like you got to keep the doors locked you, you know here's the baby you gate. hear one snap of those pajamas yeah. get in there <laughs> yeah please don't let her take her jammies off you know <laughs> you know what's know what's coming you don't want to know yeah, for sure like she would have no problem with that she's wicked fast in good shape so I think she could handle it but it is like you can't communicate those things like there's a long list like the you know knife thing has to be back in the corner of the mm-hmm. kitchen because they can grab the scissors which neurotypical children you have to be aware of that too but my son will literally cut his own shirt if they're in access you know or things like that it's like Mm -hmm. a different level of cautious like you Mm -hmm. can't just say no don't touch the scissors if you're in the kitchen which is open and connected to our house but you're not hearing anything (laughs) there's something going on in there that's not gonna be good (laughs) whatever's happening two feet away I'm we surprised need- we don't all have those mirrors. You know, those mirrors at the end of the target aisle. Oh, yeah, we should. Those have big those. circle mirrors, like, oh, from the couch, you can see all the yeah. way to the fridge door, you dink. You're Genius. busted. Yeah. We should all install those in our house. <laughs> like autism super mom mirror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And I think for me, like in the beginning, I could only ever have someone be at my house with her. Yes. You oh, know. Well, it's yeah. so much more helpful to be at home. And then oh, like, wow. I think you come over with Celie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Do you have an insurance policy for that? <laughs> and then like my parents could take her at their house because like they kind of, it was kind of like their second house. And then as she got a little bit older, there were a few family members that could, would take, could take her to their house, but like taking her out in the community is a whole different. Yes. I mean, there was different times in our life that I wouldn't even take her out without yeah. me and him. Like, yeah places and still sometimes I do stuff and I'm like I'm like it'll be fine she's so good now and then I'm like oh I wasn't thinking about this <laughs> and then or you this. returned a rental car in Florida when I took her to Martha's Vineyard and I didn't very I didn't realize that me and my daughter and Alyssa went and I was leaving my daughter there that meant I was taking the ferry home by myself and I didn't consider that part and I also didn't consider like how Alyssa was going to feel about leaving her sister behind I didn't really think it through. I'm yeah. going to end up being okay. But like, it's just like, even, so even now these things happen, not as much. Cause I kind of know. Um, and I, I really think that like the most important thing, like my brother is amazing. Cause he's always trying to understand mm-hmm. like, and learn as much as he can, you know, like recently sent my daughter some headphones to try out because she's having like sensory stuff with sounds and I think like for anyone's family who's listening, trying to learn as much as you can, minus the judgment if possible, is so comforting to us because we're also trying to learn at the same time. 
like it makes you feel connected and it makes you feel close and like we don't know what we're doing either so exactly (laughs) if you're trying to learn with us that's the I think I need to be better about that because you know sometimes someone sends you an article or they tell you like my poor dad one time he was like I just heard about this essential oil if you and I was like really Jamie or a friggin link link. but my dad was like uh, you should try this essential oil I hear I'm like dad essential oil is not going to cure my kid and like and he's like oh like I didn't mean to like <laughs> but you know like I've tried that. oils <laughs> oils my <laughs> but it was so sweet that my dad like did that and like yeah. I will say with every person who's done that when they suggest something like that or they like it warms my heart so much. And that's the moment I know I'm like, Oh, you, you've either seen something and you understand, or you're accepting this. And it's so kind of like people. Yeah. Or you're learning alongside us. Like, yeah, I think, um, for me, the key is just to understand and treat my child like a person, you know, it's, she's not just a person with special needs or a person with autism. She's, she's Alyssa, like, you know, and get to get to know her. And I think that, she doesn't like when I talk you said her name. Uh oh. Can you hear her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't hear anything on this laptop unless you're like inside of it. Like, <laughs> but like she's behind me. But you know, just treating them, you know, just treating them like a person. That's you know, yeah. get to get to getting to know who that person is. To me, that's key, you know. Yes, for sure. I always say make space for my kid or make space for who that child is. And it might be a lot of space and it might be a distance rates from you but you make space know how to whatever space. you're doing you know if you're having a family reunion maybe do it a location where there's an extra room where they yeah. can go if they need just like considering things and including them even if they don't necessarily want to be included the way the other kids want to be included well it's like yeah. and it's like just sometimes it's like just try you know what I mean like don't don't give up trying you know just because it doesn't work and you know they don't like the present or they don't want to do the activity that doesn't mean the next time that you come, you should just not try. Like, I feel like. Well, and for the love of God, don't take it personal. And don't take yeah. it personally. Yeah. Ooh. That like hurts us. Even if they don't realize it, that hurts, that hurts your mom heart. You know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. if someone's just going to leave your kid out and like, not even give them a second thought, like always try to include them or, you know, or just ask the parent ahead yeah. of time, you know, this is what the plan is. Do you think Celia would like to do this? Is there something else that we could also do instead? My idea from henceforth will be if you could buy her a Dory balloon that lasts 13 years, like Alyssa's has, that would be great. (laughs) It's only been two months, guys. That's so long. I know. For all you listeners out there, Alyssa got a Dory balloon for her birthday that is still floating behind Kim's head right now, two months later. Yeah, it's astounding. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Party City, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast. Exactly. I got my $20 worth. Yeah. <laughs> Party I City. thought I was getting her a little round Dory balloon that was like three ninety nine, dollars And it nope. was this huge life-size, not even life-size, because Dory is definitely <laughs> a lot smaller. Than a lot life. smaller. <laughs> Human size. Yeah, that thing was like, I was like, a oh. Four-foot wingspan. Well, we want to say thank you to our families who are learning about our kids and supporting us and showing up and listening even to if the, we make it hard. Yeah. Even if we make it hard, listening to the tears, even if we don't know what we're talking about at the time, <laughs> keep calling, keep leaving messages, keep sending text messages, Send keep coffee. showing up at the door, send coffee. Just love our kids. Yep. 
So thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us at the table for episode three of our relationship series. Join us next time as we discuss friendships. We'll talk all about how we view friendships now that we're parents and how we've lost and gained friends through our journeys. If you are enjoying our podcast and wherever you're listening allows, please remember to rate and review us. To join in on the conversation, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram or email us at tableforfivepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for sitting with us. We'll chat soon.